What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, and today I'm joined by Nicole Yang and from Chicago, Chris Grenham, who was out there covering the combine. Grenham, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Watching nothing like watching G League prospects at Wintrust Arena. So uh, I'm doing fantastic. If anyone knows me, they know that that's right up my alley. That it's is great. right up your alley. I'm very yeah. happy for you. Before we, I mean, obviously this whole podcast will be dedicated to those G League combine stats. So anything interesting, you know, anything that stands out to you so far? I mean, what what is, you know, you've been to one day so far, right? Yeah, um, one one day. I got there pretty early yesterday and Wintrust Arena is, this is the first year they've done it there. It's a relatively new arena. I walked in there and there's a couple scouts there and people like front office personnel were trickling in and there were G League prospects going through their, you know, agility drills and testing on the court. No one was really paying attention. Sam Presti was on his own side, front row, like tablet, clipboard, just locked in before anyone else was paying any attention to the court. So I thought that was a hilarious observation. But, you know, I thought Dwayne Washington from Ohio State had a really good day. Mac McClung had a good day. Uh, Kofi yeah. Coburn from Illinois had a good day. Like, there, there were some standouts for sure. And there, there'll be a solid group of these guys that get called up for the combine later in the week. Yeah, I saw that Mac was having a, a good day. I thought that was interesting. I mean, he was, he was a three-star going into college, but like one of the most hyped three-stars I can remember. Uh, I was going to say, the overtime House of Highlights crew really helped out his stock <laughs> quite a bit. We can probably move on from draft combine stuff and talk about <laughs> Brad Stevens' press conference, which uh, just wrapped up a couple of minutes ago. Brad talked about, obviously, the Kemba Al Horford trade. Did not want to talk about the coaching search, which makes sense given where that seems to be at. But before we get into the press conference itself, Grantham, we didn't have a chance to talk to you after the trade. What, just kind of your impressions? Like, uh, I think Nicole and I both liked it quite a bit. I thought we both thought it was pretty good. I'm uh, just curious, like, where you come down on the trade itself. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it was a good deal for the Celtics. I think a major goal of this offseason for the front office was to get off of Kemba's contract, and they were able to do so and get back Al Horford and Moses Brown, which is a pretty solid package. Like, yeah, they had to get rid of the 16th overall pick, it doesn't really matter in my mind because this roster, as we've talked about before on here, they don't need another draftee who's probably not going to produce right away. That's just not really what this roster in its current state needs. So the fact that that was the one pill that they had to swallow, I think that's fine. And I think the fact that you get Al Horford back, who is still good, like as Brad Stevens said this morning, he had a good season in OKC. It just felt weird because he didn't play a lot of games and they were tanking. So it took away from his production, but he's a good guy to add to this front court. Yeah. The front court's a little bit crowded, but you're able to get a, you know, a low risk high reward prospect with Moses Brown. I don't think he's going to do all that much, but more than anything, you're able to get back a decent return while getting off of Kemba's contract, which again, that was the main goal here entering the, the off season for this front office. And they were able to do so quicker than I expected, but yeah, I think it's a good deal for the Celtics. Definitely. And that leads us into Brad's press conference. I think one of the interesting things that Brad touched on several times, um, I just did a, uh, like a, you know, command F search on the transcribe. He said the word flexibility six times, three times. He said financial flexibility. I mean, we, we kind of knew that was going to be the case, but Brad was really focused on flexibility. That, that seems to have been a major focus, a major talking point for the franchise this off season, which I thought was interesting because obviously the Celtics had basically no flexibility going into the offseason. So pretty interesting that that, I think, that and making sure that the Celtics have players 
who can positively impact Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown seems to be pretty much Brad's entire focus this offseason, which makes sense. But also it was interesting to see him kind of spell that out. Yeah, that was my impression, too, was that the priority here was financial flexibility and getting off of Kemba's contract. It's gravy that it's Al Horford you're getting back, who Brad is familiar with and who you know knows Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams and should be able to integrate himself like seamlessly, you would expect, based on the past. It's not, though, about getting Al Horford back or getting Moses Brown or anything with the package. It really was about getting rid of Kemba. And it's great that this is the one that worked out because... As we sort of touched on, Tom, in our initial episode, there are a lot of reasons to be encouraged. But again, I think all of that is a bonus. The main thing that he wanted to do was offload Kemba and then that final year of their contract, it's just less money. I think that clearly was their goal. And I think that definitely eliminates any sort of possibility that they were considering someone like Kristaps Porzingis or anything of that nature. Like it was very clear that this was a a financial move, but it's nice that the players that they got back have potential to like fit in well. That was like our whole point, right? With the Kristaps Porzingis argument. Like if they make that deal, it defeats the purpose of getting rid of Kemba. The whole purpose of getting rid of Kemba is to get off of the contract and ideally gain some financial flexibility. Kristaps Porzingis does not do that. He's also has like more injury problems. He's not very good right now at his current state of his career. Like, yeah, I mean, just like you look at the numbers on Horford's contract and it's like when he signed everybody lost their minds because it was like four years, 109 million for Al Horford. And then you realize that only, you know, not all of that was guaranteed. You know, there were like incentive-based stuff in there. And then that a lot of, you know, a lot of that spin on four years, 109 million probably came from the agent side, you know, trying to make the contract sound a little bit better. When you compare that to four years and, you know, however, like, I think it was it like 140 million for Kemba. It's just, it's significant. Like it's a really big difference. And it was interesting. Brad at one point even said to get a guy who makes significantly less than Kemba. Like he he used that phrasing. Like they were not shy about talking about why they are doing this. And I thought, let's say there is a star player out there who becomes disgruntled. You have that guy now who can be a big contract, but who isn't so onerous that other teams, you know, it's not like the Kemba Walker contract. It's not like that match money where you're going to have to attach even more to to send it out the door. It really is that kind of mid to high level contract that can bridge the gap if you need something to fill, you know, as, as filler for a deal. And also the Celtics have now Rob Williams, they have, you know, Moses Brown, we'll see. Currently they have Tristan Thompson. We'll see what happens, but like they have, you know, guys, if they do trade Al Horford, it's not like, like, Oh no, like what are they going to do about center? They're okay. So I, I think the financial flexibility aspect is really interesting to me. I think it's indicative that that Brad kind of has like an eye on the future. I think he might have something of a plan in the in the works. Obviously, good for the Celtics, and obviously, you know, he learned from a planner. Uh, like that was Danny's whole thing was just to like have this big, huge future plan. So that so that was interesting too. I thought. That's what I was about to say is that he's clearly following in Danny's footsteps if he's like orchestrating a I don't know who Bradley Beal I don't know who it's going to be but he's clearly working towards something here. Yeah, definitely. And one of the other things that I, that was interesting from this press conference was I think we can put to rest any question that Brad is going to be um, hesitant to trade guys that he coached. He said about a hundred times, like, I love Kemba. I really like Kemba, period, end of story, all that stuff. And yet Kemba's out the door. Brad coached him for two years. Brad praised him in the media every single chance he got. 
And, you know, Kemba's gone. And, and Brad said, like, yeah, this was one of the hardest parts of the job. He got that out of the way right away. He has now traded a player who was on the team, who other guys liked, who, you know, he said multiple times that he liked. You know, I don't think that, like, Celtics fans need to worry that Brad is going to be unwilling to trade guys that, that, you know, he coached and guys that he has a relationship with because he did it in, like, the first, like, two weeks on the job. I think it's an important takeaway to know that even though he has a relationship with someone like Kemba, it sounds like a very good relationship with someone like Kemba. The fact that he can prioritize this team's financial flexibility long-term over that relationship. And I think we kind of had a feeling that he might be able to transition this way into this front office role where he can see the importance of, yeah, like I did coach these guys, but that's not my job anymore. Now I kind of have to do what's best for the organization. And And I think if you're a Celtics fan, even if you don't like this trade, I think it's a good thing that he's not going to become attached to guys or he's not going to have trouble with that element of his new position. Because he said it today, which I thought was kind of funny in the press conference. He's like, I don't know if I'm going to be good at this job. Like, we'll find out soon, but I'm really not sure. But I think it's a very good first step that he doesn't have issue making the hard decisions because he emphasized again and again that this was not an easy decision. Are there fans that don't like the deal? Like, what's the consensus would you say from what you've seen? I think after a while, people eventually liked the deal. I think at first people were kind of pissed. Some people were mad that they got rid of the first, at least in my mentions, I saw a decent amount of people that were pissed that they had to get rid of a first round pick. And then people slowly started, I think, to come around to the fact that like, that's really not the worst cost if you're still getting out Horford and stuff back. But I think getting Al Horford back, sure, some people might not be thrilled with his contract, but I think people liked him when he was in Boston for the most part. So I think they're happy to have Al Horford back on the team. That was my impression too. And I think I, I think maybe as people kind of like wrap their heads around the deal, they realize like, dude, I really did not want to watch Chris Duarte like next season. Like I did not want to watch like <laughs> Kai Jones or whatever, like whoever they would have gotten. At I want to watch like, both of those guys. <laughs> I, I do too. I do too. <laughs> We're not talking about Scotty Barnes or like a top like seven pick or whatever. We're talking about like real role player guys who would have been available at 16. I mean, you probably wouldn't have gotten a chance to watch them because there are already a number 14 pick above him on the depth chart and another number 14th pick. Yeah, exactly. So I I don't think we would have seen much of whoever they were going to pick with that selection anyway. Agreed. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Now the Celtics really can. We talked about this on the last pod, Nicole, but I, I really think that one of the nice things for this is now the Celtics can focus on free agency. They can focus on on the, the coaching search. Brad mentioned that he wants to have a more robust front office, which I thought was really interesting. I felt like that was a, a very clear indicator that he plans to have more people involved, which makes sense. I mean, I always thought it made sense for Danny Ainge to have a small circle because Danny knew what he was doing. I think it makes sense for Brad to like bring in some more voices, bring in some more perspectives. He is really new at this. And, you know, if he needs do we can always pare down but I, I think I do I do think that it makes a lot of sense for Brad to, to bring in some more voices and I'm curious if that makes the Celtics a little more leaky I think that would be really interesting if Brad brought in a bunch of guys and all of a sudden we're getting a little more information out of the out of the Celtics front office you know Brad's gonna vet those guys and he is not going to allow they're gonna have flip phones by the time Brad's done yeah, with them. Exactly. <laughs> but I do think the robust the robust comment was an interesting one because the Celtics for so long have had that tight circle, which is not necessarily that common across the league. I was thinking about that yesterday when I was sitting at Wintrust Arena. There's so many, like each group is kind of like segmented throughout the stands. It's just various front offices. Celtics had like three guys there yesterday. It was Remy Cofield, Jake Eastman, and Austin Ainge. You look at like the Thunder and the Raptors and the Kings. They have like 12 people sitting in the corner of these stands. And the Celtics just have this tiny group. And granted, it'll get bigger at 
when the actual combine begins. But I think it's good for Brad to get a couple more voices in there. I think that'll help. Well, also, the Celtics are looking at this at these guys and being like, bum, 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 bum. And also, I'm not going to like, and also, I only have one pick anyway. So uh, like, they're trying to rebuild the main Celtics, Tom. So I don't <laughs> think they're, I think they're taking this very seriously. <laughs> The other thing about the draft pick and why, yeah, it's a first rounder and it kind of sucks that you have to off in a vacuum. It sucks that you have to offload a first round pick to just get off a bad contract. But based on Brad's comments today, like I think if he's adding anybody to the roster, it's going to be a veteran or somebody that like enhances Jalen and Jason. Like that was the other priority. Like the first one was financial flexibility. The second one was we're building around Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Drafting another developmental wing is just not a useful exercise when you already have two of them, as we've mentioned, you you don't really need another guy waiting. So I feel like we kind of expected this based on Brad's lineup tendencies and how much he favored veterans. But I feel like after this press conference, it really seems like he is going to load up on those types of additions as opposed to younger guys. To me, I, I think I've seen some people, you know, wondering if like, you know, like Smart might be on the move, if they might, you know, try to move off other members of this roster. I don't think there's any chance that happens at this point, because I think the fact that Smart has so much organizational, you know, kind of cachet and, and so much experience in the organization, that was something that Brad talked about with Horford as being one of the reasons they wanted him. The fact that Smart has been around for a while, and also, very importantly, the fact that Smart can play point guard on a team that currently has like two of them, I think that Smart's going to be around and I also think that what this does too is that the Celtics if they had gone into the draft given what they have they would have had to draft for need now like they don't have to draft for anything like they can just take like the best player available at 45 throw that guy straight into Maine and prepare for free agency or whatever it is where they're going to go out and try to get you know point guards where they can go out and try to get depth at positions they actually need it it can be tough when you enter the draft if you have actual positions of need or if you have spots where you do have a ton of talent um, because all of a sudden you might find yourself passing on somebody who is clearly better than whoever you ended up picking just because there wasn't going to be any time for that guy in the organization. And now Celtics don't have to worry about that. They can just go out, you know, get, try to bring in a point guard and, uh, and, and go from there. So I, I, think that's, I, think, I think that's another aspect of this as well. Even outside of getting off of Kemba's contract, this trade really did shorten that checklist for Brad Stevens in his first offseason. And that's important that he can just kind of put the blinders on and have his crew focus on free agency and not having to worry about the Like, it could have been a real headache in his first offseason if they had to draft for need at 16, if they had to still try to get off of Kemba's contract at that point, like, there was a lot of ways this could have become really chaotic in the middle of the offseason for them. And granted, that's going to happen at some point during his tenure. That's just the way offseasons work. But I think getting this deal done early in the offseason sort of, I don't know, clears things up a little bit for them and kind of what they can focus on over the next month or two. And I think that should help him in his first offseason because I'm sure there's going to be points where his head's going to be spinning a little bit. I think that's to be expected. But the shortened checklist, it'll be advantageous for sure. Definitely. A couple of other notes. Uh, I asked Brad about what this means for Rob. Didn't really get much of an answer. Um, you know, he said like Rob's a guy who really wants to be good. He's listening, wants to improve all stuff that we've heard from Brad before about Rob. I'm not sure what I'm not sure what to make of this from Rob's perspective. So curious, like what you guys think, like especially, you know, from what Brad said. I mean, did that give you guys any insight or like where do I don't know, where do we where do we see Rob at this point? I'm hesitant to say anything until I see what happens with the extension. I feel like that will really inform us whether they agree to something this offseason or whether they hold off. 
I think Brad was being very careful with his answers in, especially when it came to like people suggesting Al Horford as like a mentor or the wise vet, which is exactly what he is. That's what everyone knows he is coming in here. But it seemed like Brad didn't really want to go that route. Like when talking about Rob Williams or talking about Jalen and Jason, he was, he just was talking without really saying anything and which he's very good at. And I think we're going to get used to as Brad becomes this front office executive, but Bottom line was, yeah, he didn't really say much at all whenever anyone suggested that Al was going to be like the smart vet coming back into the locker room. He also just might not know. And I think yeah. that's yeah. Some of the, part of the reason why I'm like hesitant to say anything, because like I could see both routes right now. Like I could see Rob resting this offseason, working on his conditioning, continuing to work on his conditioning because he's made a lot of strides in that regard really try and get his body right for an impressive season ahead, like a breakout season where he actually is able to play like, I don't know, around 70 games, hopefully take on a larger load of minutes and be that starting center that everybody knows he's, if he reaches his potential, he's capable of doing at the same time. And again, to no fault of his own, I could see us having a repeat of last year because we've seen it so many times. Like it's just very hard for him to stay healthy. So in that situation, Al Horford would be the starter and probably, have more of that like leadership role so I feel like maybe they don't even know what to expect because it's so contingent on how this offseason goes for Rob and whether he can stay healthy or not because we all know what Rob can do it's just if he's available and I also think that he's probably being somewhat careful because like I I still don't I think it's a non-zero chance that they try to sell high on Rob this offseason like and that would be contingent on a lot of things obviously that'd be contingent on who they get back But, you know, you look around the league and it's like, okay, like if somebody does become available, it's not like the Celtics have like really good picks coming up. You know, let's say Bradley Beal came available and let's say the Celtics were like, or, you know, maybe the market isn't what they thought it was going to be. And, and, you know, they're trying to like trade without giving up Jalen Brown. They don't have much on on the roster of of like real value. And Rob Williams probably has real value right now, especially um, if there are reports that he's healthy and that he's, um, you know, doing well. There's there's probably some value there. So so Brad might have also been kind of considering that too. Like I don't think they want to trade Rob, but as far as trade chips, like Rob's Rob's about as good as it gets from a young player perspective. Um, last thing I wanted to touch on here before we let Granham get over to watch some more G League guys. Brad was asked about Moses Brown. He said we like Moses as an upside player. Obviously, we saw the best of him in our game, but he's a guy who got a bigger taste of the NBA this year. Got a great opportunity, and um, when he did play, he put up numbers. You know, I, I think Moses Brown is really interesting from the Celtics' perspective. Uh, I'm curious to see how, how he fits. I think he's a lot better than most people thought coming into the NBA. Like Nicole said earlier, like, I don't think that, you know, he's a focus of this deal. The focus was pretty clearly financial flexibility. Um, but Moses Brown is kind of gravy. You're getting a young guy. You're getting a big, like a really tall, like a very large big. I think that would seem to be like the, the gist of Brad's answer too, without saying that. And then the thing that he finished with was he said, the ability to make our wings better is going to be a huge part of the people that will fit around them. So again, felt like a message to Moses Brown, like, hey, you can get some minutes. You can get on the court. Just make Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum better and you'll get minutes. So yeah, he's, it's low risk, high reward. You know, he's on a, on a good deal. And if he can figure out some things around the edges of his game, there's upside there for sure. As someone who uh, had Moses Brown on his fantasy basketball team, I watched plenty of Thunder games late in the season. And after about the first two weeks of him playing serious, serious minutes, it got really ugly because teams figured out like, we just kind of have to bump him around a little bit and he's not going to respond very well. He doesn't move very well defensively at all. Like his lateral movement is really bad. It, It looks like someone like fresh off of knee surgery. It's not good. 
But there's that upside there. Like he's huge. He's a really good rebounder. He's pretty good around the rim. He's good on the offensive end for the most part. So you can clean up his defensive end. Yeah, low risk, high reward. Make life easier for Jalen and Jason. That needs to be the message for everyone on this team, but especially Moses Brown if he wants to get some serious minutes. Did you start him when he got 19 first half rebounds against the Celtics? You better believe it. Oh, man. Team Gretham was flying that night. It was fantastic. I wouldn't know what it's like to fly in fantasy basketball as a cold in a test, but that's all right. All right. So last thing, and we'll we'll keep this relatively quick because, again, Gretham's got to get going. But Gretham, can you give us the, the read here for uh, Shades on? Yeah. So our Geno time draft today is going to be more of a grading session. So not necessarily a draft because there isn't a whole lot to draft, but our Geno time grades today are brought to you by shades on beer company as everyone knows the makers of the geno time stout which isn't available at the moment it'll be available later on in the summer but um, they have plenty of other great beers so if you're a celtics fan in rhode island go check out the shades on beer garden and tasting room in west kingston rhode island uh, we tried a couple of their beers last week and, and uh, the week before, and they were fantastic. So you don't just have to rely on the Geno Time Stout. So check out the Beer Garden and Tasting Room in West Kingston, and uh, you will not regret it. So we're going to grade the Kemba Walker trade. Just our final thoughts, I think, is what we're going to do, right, with this deal? Definitely. I'll start. I'm going to give it a B plus. The more I thought about it, the more I, I like it quite a bit. I think the financial flexibility aspect is really important. And I think the thing that I really like about it is that the Celtics managed to give themselves a small amount of financial flexibility with bigger implications down the line while getting back a guy who could potentially help them and who makes things like he makes the Celtics a little less reliant on Rob Williams, who I think, again, I think he's got like some borderline all-star potential, but I do think that you have to have a, you have to have a, a plan B if, if he's your, you know, if he's going to be your starting center. So the Celtics managed to do that and they managed to get off Kemba's money and they managed to pair, you know, like, yeah, they just managed to pare down their, uh, their salary crunch, good stuff all around. Shout out to Brad Stevens. I think he did a, a pretty good job on deal number one. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I'm, I'm going to give him an A minus. I think the financial flexibility was of the utmost importance and they got that done. I was expecting them to trade that draft pick anyway. And yeah. granted, you would rather not have to like pair it with Kemba shipping him out, but whatever. They weren't going to use that pick realistically anyway, in my, in my mind. So they get off Kemba's deal. They get some added financial flexibility and they needed more flexibility in that front court. And they seriously got that with Al Horford. He does provide some nice options for that front court if he does stick around, which I think he's going to. Uh, I'll give it an A minus. I think it's a good first deal for Brad Stevens. And I think it's a good thing that they got it done early in the offseason. I think it makes things a little more straightforward, a little clearer moving forward. In what ways could like this blow up in the Celtics faces? Like what Kemba like goes off. Don't really think that's going to happen. Like I could see him averaging, I don't know, 20 plus points with whatever team he ends up on. If it's the thunder, if it's elsewhere, but he's still going to be load managed. That knee is still going to be a concern. And I have significant doubts about the durability and whether he could contribute in the playoffs. Like we've seen it happen twice now, three times if we consider the bubble as like a separate season too. So we've just seen it break down so many times as you reach the springtime or the postseason. I just don't really see a way that this deal blows up in the Celtics face really like, and then when you look at the return, it's all great. You're getting Al Horford, somebody that, you know, somebody that Grenham says as some versatility to the front court you get off a pick which like we said earlier isn't the best in a vacuum but makes sense given the circumstances and given the fact that they're still trying to hire a head coach so I don't know I just don't really see a lot of bad things here 
Yeah, like and if and, and like to Greno's point about not wanting to trade the pick, like one, you can usually get into the back half of the first round if, if you wait a little bit longer. And two, just hit up OKC. They're not <laughs> gonna be able to use all these picks anyway. When it gets to crunch time and they're looking for a little value for number 18 because they can't bring on like a third guy because they don't want to draft Gershon Yabaselli like the Celtics had to, you're all set. So good trade all around by Brad Stevens. I think we all agree on that. And if it does blow up, um hopefully everybody forgets that we gave it. A's and B's here. So, all right, guys, uh, let's let Gretham get going. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you know where to find all of us. And we will talk to you all again later this week.